Where did you get that outfit? I bought it with money I saved. What money? You don't have a job. Boys at school give me money. For what? For dancing at Lester. Look at me. I took your hand. You drew closer with me. Cross the floor. Have you been behaving inappropriately again? Then report to tight pants on Friday afternoons after school. Detention starts at 3 o'clock sharp. But don't be tardy, or you'll receive stiff punishment. Dancing. Don't be upset, Mrs. Fishball. Puberty brings on strange behavior in adolescence. I feel like giving back to the community can, even if it's in a small way, can benefit the world. And I feel that it's my responsibility to do that. As a mentor and teacher, Stephen Ray has much to share. He's typical of the men and women of paralyzed veterans of America. To be a citizen isn't just to live in the community. It's to be a part of it. America's not about being alone. A lot of times I like to go out there and talk to children and kind of demystify what it means to be a disabled individual. And once they get close encounters with you, once they're able to talk to you and things, then they begin to realize that you're just like them. I like to teach the children uh, the value of giving up something for the good of others. It's called sacrifice. Now more than ever, let's not forget America's veterans, paralyzed veterans of America at 1-866-USA-4PVA. afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm so happy to have Oni Buchanan and John Woodward here in the studio. Um, thanks Hello. for coming, you guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> We're so happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks for coming. And you literally just, just flew in. We did. Um, from Boston? That's right. That's where you guys are based right yes. now? And so th- flew in and jumped in a cab, jumped out of the cab, and then jumped back in the cab. So that's been your... That's it. Michigan. Except it wasn't any cab. It was the amazing blue taxi. Yeah. Which we don't have in Boston. So how lucky are you guys? Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Really? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Want to give a shout out to the driver and all all those amazing blue cabs. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, Let's see. We've got um, what's really also very exciting is tomorrow is the, the 
world premiere of Unca- Uncanny Valley, um, one of your your um, composition that's go- also um, from your book, John Uncanny Valley, the also Saint, also Uncanny named <laughs> um, libretto of sorts. Sure, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and that's going to be the premiere of this. And that's right. Oni, you're you're playing the piano uh, with it, yes. and it was John Gibson who you also collaborated with who yes. composed it he composed the piece and yeah this is the opening right here the morse code in the background yes <laughs> the morse code in the background i'm not sure that might be just coming through ours oh but listen up later folks because we're gonna take a <laughs> give you a little sample of it <laughs> um and you can go and see it live tomorrow at the pendleton room um michigan league at 510. Michigan Union. Oh, Michigan Union. Oh, I'm sorry. Michigan Union. Uh, yeah. Okay, Michigan Union. Yeah. I always get those two. They're not the same thing. They are? I couldn't tell if they were just the... Oh, no. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan Union. Union. Um, and so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the collaboration. And did it all start with the book, John, Uncanny Valley? Yeah. So we started with... I mean, I had this poem that... Um, uh, as you'll hear um, both on the, the show today and um, if you come tomorrow night, uh, the poem has a lot of uh, optional repeats built into it. So it's meant to be heard out loud and uh, repeated lines are meant to sort of accumulate and um, frustrate and hypnotize and whatever. Um, so Warp we w- reality. Yeah, exactly. Bend the, bend yes, the reality, bend for, reality. The, for the listener a little bit. So um, it's meant to be heard out loud. We wanted to have a way to perform it and we started talking about maybe we should have some music to go along with this and uh, Oni being a pianist and having worked with some other composers um, you know was uh, had already listened to a bunch of compositions by uh, other living composers and and uh, decided to get in touch with John Gibson um, who uh, incidentally did his doctoral dissertation at Princeton on um, re- repetition in in music, and so this was something he had already he's thought already, a lot about. He's and, already interested in exactly, it. And, exactly. And, and what are the effects or the meanings of that, like the uses of it? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So it was right up his alley. Um, also, he works a lot with electronics and and programming, and that was part of what we had in mind for the piece um, because I, of the, the definition of an uncanny valley. Is that what you're going to say? Yes, yes, and well, and the opening with that Morse code that we we may hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, and the uncanny. Will you say more about that, Oni, or or John? I'll or, give it to John. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so the term originates, I guess, with a, a Japanese roboticist in the, the 70s who had this theory that uh, if you sort of plot a graph um, uh, that uh, where uh, thinking of robots and other human simulations, puppets, and uh, nowadays computer graphics and stuff, um, as the simulation um, improves or gets more lifelike, more like a, a real human being, um, uh, the human's ability to empathize with with it uh, increases up to a point, um, and then if it's if it's very close to reality, but there's something slightly off about it, something that's uh, just uh, just a little bit, mm, it doesn't quite work right. Um, then that's repulsive, and um, and the there's a huge dip in the graph of of human empathy, and that's the uncanny valley. Um, but then on the other side. Uh, being a, a lifelike, a totally lifelike, perfect simulation, then the human empathy is restored, 
and uh, we can all go on with our our lives i guess <laughs> it is so it's so interesting because this was Ma- masha hero mori yeah, that's the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and interesting to think that he was working from back to like I think it was a 1906 essay when this uncanny valley was um maybe first written about or so oh, and really then, I don't know I don't anything know, about yeah. this. And Freud? <laughs> oh, sure, the okay. the Unheimlich. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're sort of entering into this. It seems like such a like a a, a modern tradition, but if you think of I mean, I guess historically it is still you know, it's not like it was in the Stone Ages when there'd be more thinking about this, but something that it's something that we've been aware of for a while yeah. in this, this, this uncanny valley, yeah. this uneasiness, or what makes us human. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that um, the, you know, that the the robot tradition is is whatever that might mean, but that um, the fascination with robots in Japanese pop culture and just in culture in general goes goes back to you know, puppetry traditions that go back hundreds of, of years or whatever. So, yeah, this stuff is sort of, oh, it's of been course. with us for a while. Yeah, Like even the shadow puppets and how to make something that looks real or something that we perceive as a figure or which isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. so this is wonderful. So you, so were you thinking of this Uncanny Valley, John, when you started writing this this so it started as a long poem then is it um like is that fair to say sure or, yeah um it's a long with poem the repetitions and, and the but then there's shorter one I, yeah will you talk about that a little sure, like yeah. how it moves yeah you bet it's a long poem um in in small sections and um uh it uh it tells a a sort of story that seems coherent enough at the start and starts to fold back in on itself um, time seems to stop working correctly over the course of the story, and I think that the long stretches of repetition also um, participate in that, that uh, normal linear narrative time and cause and effect and those sorts of things um, uh, are interrupted by long stretches of basically static time. Um, and that's the that's where the the repetitions and the, the hypnotic quality of the repetitions really really comes in and, and works. So, and then um, so is it an experience that exactly. that you're? Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. It's a, it's very experientially based, and that's why we wanted people to to hear it out loud. And what what are your expectations for it? Like with this, because you've. Because you're revealing something about what you believe, like the language patterns and the music patterns, like what it, I don't know, like what it adds up to or what it, I don't know. What, what are you, what are you expecting that people might experience any, all different things probably, but well, we're just really hoping our, um, our listeners come to the concert with, um, excitement and and uh the expectation to experience what's going to happen as opposed to like it's not it's not a traditional concert in in any way um and and it it's easy to um have your suspension of disbelief broken if you're expecting i don't know like a a traditional pinnacle uh, or a narrative that like John is saying a narrative that leads somewhere and, and 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 culminates in some kind of big dramatic finale or something but um we're going for something very different which is um 
what happens inside of duration um, and what happens when you're in the moment and the moment just is, is just opening up into another dimension through these means of repetition. Um, and that, that kind of warping of time and allowing um, the mind to, to go where it's going to go, it's going to be an unanticipated experience, you know, but the, the and maybe not always comfortable and exactly. And maybe not always comfortable. So we, uh, we want to invite our listeners to let their, their minds do what their minds are going to do and react, you know, in the moment without expectation. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's such a weird edge case uh, when you repeat a, a word or a phrase or something. It, it, uh, it's, you know, famously stops meaning anything really and just turns into pure sound. And it gives you uh, this, I mean, they study this as a, um, as a window onto the sort of language processing that, that the human mind does. And um, so I want to give that or offer that same window to the, to the listener, um, um, that they might undergo the, a sort of a, or experience their own mind as a as a mechanistic thing. That when you repeat words into it, um, it uh, it I don't know. It's it's a it's an unusual experience, unanticipated, and um, and how that experience uh, interacts with the story of the poem and and where it goes and everything it's 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 all sort of related and, and the music too then and the music absolutely because then that would be indicators then to maybe feel or experience something different like to be jarred or to be because if because what you're also talking about with the repetition and what's interesting is on the page it's also so different because i find myself to be a bit of a cheater on the page like because i'll scan and then like so, I'm not experiencing sure. it the same. Way. So you need it to be right. this performance to get the full effect, and yeah. because of people like me who are gonna <laughs> like cheat in a way, right? Because I because I guess if I was to enter it, I could have a meditative quality if I was to be in each of the words as they are printed in Uncanny Valley. Um, the similarly, but but it would be now it would be very different. And yeah. with, well, and you work with images that way. I saw on your website where you'll have um, like a picture, almost like of a dragonfly, and obvious or or I guess, and you ask people to look at it for a certain length of time, yeah, and other ones for other lengths of time. Yeah. So you're very interested about what the the viewer or the audience. You're, it's not passive for you, I, either of you guys. It's not passive. I think that's correct. Yeah, I mean, it it is and it isn't. The the case that you mentioned with the um, there's a group of of poems on my website called Poems to Stare At. Yes, um, and uh, that is all there for is uh, um, there. There's no um, there's no imagistic or um, uh, metaphysical payoff. Uh, you have read the poem if you have sat and stared at it for the the <laughs> prescribed length of time, or um, even shorter, John. <laughs> uh, I would assert that you have not read it if you didn't make it all the way to yeah, the, to the to five really, minutes or whatever. You have to time. You have to time yourself. But um, you really do okay. So yeah, I mean, in that sense, um, it is. Yeah, it is something where it. I. You could say that I'm insisting on a, on an active engagement with it. I hope that an active engagement happens over the course of of the five minutes that you start to think about the word differently or whatever but mm -hmm. um technically 
if you sat and kept your eyes open and looked at the at the word for five minutes, then you read it and you had the experience. The experience, even though it's not like God, it's not you're not totally guiding it because right. you can't be there with with, with everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, it reminds me only of the Mandrake vehicles, which is which is different because you're working with um, text and image on digital digitally as well like John but then it's things are falling and regathering and swooping to so it's there's it's kinetic rather than quiet definitely but it's it's funny that you're um, confessing to uh, the shortcuts that your brain wants to take when you're reading through the the you know John's book and just kind of scanning and and getting the idea and moving to the the next line or whatever. Um, that poem, the Mandrake Vehicles, I originally wrote it with reader instructions only. It was on the printed page, and it was like, okay, now imagine that all these letters lift off on the page turn, oh. and now imagine that you know all these these letters are you know shimmering in their spots and they're all like radioactive and, different and they, colors. Yeah, yeah, they're colliding the and, the, and yeah. these letters are falling out of the grid and these letters are recombining and i mean i had still images of the text from page to page kind of like a flip book um but with instructions and then i i just realized that you know 99 percent of people were just get, just gonna pass over the instructions because they were too it, you know, it was just too... Well, plus the technology exists. Yeah, exactly. I could make I, this exactly. actually what I imagine it and want for you to have it, it was very The technology was very close to what I imagined. It's not quite, but it's not quite there, but... And so let's we'll come we'll take a short break break break. I like we go. You're so I you guys you're great. <laughs> you're kind, kind people, very creative. Um, so we'll we'll take a short break. You've got living writers today. Oni Buchanan is here. John Woodward. We'll talk more about Uncanny Valley. We'll hear poems um, from Must of Violence as well. And what animal in Uncanny Valley? We'll be back. And I'll actually... Uncanny Valley. Push, push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Push the remote button and the mechanical brayer brays. Lines notated like the previous two are repeated as a pair, as many times as the reader desires, from 0 to 255, before continuing. Similar notation applied to one word only, sometimes drives, 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 drives. Drives, 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 
drives, drives, drives, drives, drives, drives, down the middle of the line. The better part of a long drive is the most important meal of the bray. The reader reads aloud, and the driver drives. Welcome back. If you're just if you're just joining us, I'm glad you did. You've got Living Writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Um, I'm T. Hetzel, and today um, Oni Buchanan is here. John Woodward. Um, we've been talking about their premiere, their world premiere of Uncanny Valley, which will happen tomorrow at five ten in the Michigan Union Pendleton Room. What you've just heard is a sample from Uncanny Valley, and that great. Um, uh, so, Oni. Did you crash your elbow onto the piano to make that sound? Yes. Um, bo- <laughs> both elbows, in fact, the, the full forearm of, of both arms crashed to the uh, the bottom octave there. So the right arm gets all the black keys and the left arm gets all the white keys. And I just crash on there with like a quadruple forte, fortissimo or something. And now, was that something that you felt because of working with the language, or was that something that John Gibson, when he was composing, called for? Or and you like, how does that work in this sort of triad? That is something that John Gibson composed into the into the work. So he did an amazing, amazing job setting the text. It was it was just brilliant. I mean, it felt like what yes felt John too with okay yeah absolutely so incredible. And and I mean, he and and. John Woodward, John Gibson and John Woodward, <laughs> both Johns, had uh, a lot of phone calls back and forth when they were, you know, talking about the poem itself and interpretational questions. And um, and it was mostly John Gibson asking John, a lot, John Woodward a lot of questions about the poem. And and then he went and created the, the music for all 16 of the short sections of Uncanny Valley. All 16 of, of um, the musical settings are very... Um, different from one another, but there are themes that that um, tie them together. Really, really interesting um, interpretation of John's text. So um, we're just thrilled to be performing his music tomorrow, and and that he set you know John's poem so perfectly. It's really, it's <laughs> I have to say the poem is full of pitfalls, and um, it, or it could potentially be full of pitfalls for a composer trying to set it, um, and. And John Gibson just How so? exceeded what, our expectations. Like what does that mean with a poem with like pitfalls for a composer trying to set it? Um, I think the this may this may be what you mean. This may not be what you mean, Oni. Um, I think um, a lot of times when you um, listen to a setting that a composer has written for a poetic text, um, they treat it. Uh, um, very uh, literally, or what was the word? What was the way you talked about it the other day? Um, there's a lot of a lot of text painting that goes on. Yeah, that's what it was. Like an imitative fallacy or yeah. something. So if the poem, the words of the poem are talking about like descending the stairs, a waterfall, then it, or the a waterfall, like, then perfect example. <laughs> no exactly. Down a waterfall. <laughs> right. So um, he didn't do anything like that, uh, which we were happy about. Um, <laughs> but and, but um, he but, wanted to know your intention too, behind right. like layers of meaning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And he was able to to capture all of that in this in the sound that he 
created. I mean, he uses a lot of, of piano sounds, not just the, the keyboard. There are times in the piece where I'm reaching into the piano and scraping a plastic card against the bass strings and, um, pl- you know, plucking strings and um, stopping strings with one finger while playing the, the key on the on the instrument. And it, it makes a different sound. I mean, there's just he's using a lot of different means. And that was written into the score, score or whatever you were reading. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He um he gave us a, a, a beautiful score that uh, has my part, the um, electronic part, which I guess we haven't really talked about yet, and oh, also yes. the piano part. Was R two D two in there? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a fourth person on stage. It's R two D two. Oh no! I hope we haven't. No spoiler alert. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Star Wars fans, come out to the concert tomorrow night. Um, you'll be badly disappointed. <laughs> We um, could have like a mirage of him beamed up on sure, a hologram. A hologram, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we should get going on that. <laughs> That's going to be complicated to arrange. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So the electronics. Um, I'm while I'm reading, I'm actually uh, triggering some electronic samples mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I made a recording for John Gibson, um, and um, a recording of my voice of me reading the poem, and sent that to him, and he. Um, uh, uh, warped it, um, uh, chopped it up into little bits, um, and added a whole bunch of other sound as well. So I'm triggering samples of that during the performance in in strictly prescribed places, um, along with the repetitions to sort of uh, add an extra haunted uh, layer to it. Wait, so. so it's also your voice that's used in recordings. So yeah. you'll be speaking live, and then there'll be the voice of you. Okay. Yes. And when he when you said twists it, does that mean he makes your voice also sound like another type of voice or like a sound? Like maybe taking a little piece of a pitch and yeah. then stretching it out? Or yeah, you heard a little bit of it in the in the the sample that we just um, just heard, where uh, the first sample that I trigger is one where I, where it's recording of my voice saying push but he goes push yes. and it extends out like that oh yes yeah, so um, i do remember I re- yeah. and then there's later on he, um he takes me saying seven but he cuts it up into tss, 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 and and yeah, whatever i can't do it oh. but it's <laughs> it's it's uh disorienting yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. garbled you, consonants you know he'll just chop up a bunch of consonants and put them right beside one another so which is uncanny, yeah. and would be right, yeah. And so, and so necessary for this piece, Uncanny Valley, to have that voice that's you but not you with this robotics right. presence, it's, right? Or it's like, close but to not sort quite. Of, it's yeah. that same that same sort of thing where it's a, something's it. something's off about it. Yeah, exactly. And what about well? This is interesting too because with the live performance, there's also um, because what a, like something about being human, like what machines or robots can't replicate, right? If we're thinking about this uncanny valley, is is like yeah. a lot of our flaws, or um, or because well, you've just shown how a machine could maybe perhaps stutter better than we could, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or break something up yeah. in a more interesting or new way, but. Um, but like a, a flaw or this tension or if something, is that part of the performative aspect of Uncanny Valley too? Because that's what makes us human. Right. I guess that's that really interesting. Would, there's um, in the, in the uh, written text and in the score as well, um, there's a certain amount of leeway 
um, given to the reader or the performer or whatever as to how long you stretch these repetitions. So um, it's you can not repeat at all, that's zero, or you can go all the way up to 255, which it, if you want to go totally crazy. <laughs> um, uh, in between there is um, is up to the, the reader and performer. And so part of what we're doing with the performance is sort of trying to use that to shape it and give it uh, give the the performance, give the evening an arc. Mm. Um, so uh, we'll start out and maybe not go completely off the deep end right away, but um, w- there are certain parts, certain um, repeated lines that I think really uh, blossom when they mm-hmm. when they get repeated so many times. And um, we've had to talk about which where we're going to do that and which ones um really get the full the full treatment but <laughs> right because do you how do, will you communicate on stage together then because it could possibly be changing yeah like it could be a times two or it could be a times 250 or so <laughs> right yeah right it's so a lot of eye contact looking, and, yeah. yeah a lot of eye contact and i'm also listening i mean all of my cues are you know that John goes to moves on to a different line, um, and then I jump to a new spot in the score, um, or or I'm listening for a certain word, or I'm listening for him to stop talking altogether. So I'm on my toes the whole time, you know, um, just listening to what he's going to do because that that I I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, we haven't we have a a vague map of what's going to happen, but. Um, Part of the fun is that it is a live thing, and and if he decides he's going to repeat something for 255 times, then I'm going to keep playing, you know, <laughs> um, and that's and that'll be an experience. So, have you guys been influenced by uh, like Einstein on the Beach, Robert Wilson, Philip Glass, like their project, the opera uh, that they wrote in the 70s, where they're they're considering they're they're pushing on repetition and yeah. things coming back and 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 even stuttering like i think like mm-hmm. this because i think he had an issue with it growing up or so and oh, um wow. but but is that something that that like a reckoning that like you because they're working he they were working with language or sound yeah absolutely um i think um philip glass is a is a big influence we've talked a, a lot about him and um uh, his his early his earliest and starkest uh, pieces um, for me especially I don't know but we but we've listened to a lot of minimalist music and and talked a lot about it um, there's a when you're when you're talking about the stuttering and the the um, the, the idea of a, of a speech impediment and sort of musicalizing that um, I, it made me think of the the Alvin Lucier piece I am sitting in a room do you know that one I don't he um, that's right, right? Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, it's Alvin Lucier. He, um, re- recording himself saying uh, a writ- pre-written text. He just reads it. I'm sitting in a room. I'm recording the sound of my own voice. Or what, I'm not saying it verbatim, but that's a paraphrase. Right. So a meta, meta thing, right? Yeah. Um, and he himself um, struggles a little bit with a speech impediment, and you can hear it. Um, not not badly, not distractingly, but you can hear it. Um, and then, it's like a fissure in one of the words, yeah, or the sounds rather. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then with that recording, he plays it back into the same room and re-records it. 
and plays that back into the same room and re-records it. And with every successive iteration, the fidelity to the original sound breaks down. And what you get is just this sort of booming, sludgy, at the the end, uh, very uh, sounds just sort of like crumpled up and and, um, melted and and pushed into a ball or something. But even that, and you can still... Uh, barely detect where those little fissures that you're talking about um, were. So that that's uh, that was definitely an influence when thinking about this and, and going into it. So, well, the text of Uncanny Valley too has um, a lot of errors written into it. Um, like John, it, John will be saying the word spouts, and then all of a sudden it becomes spout with f's, or you know, like it, it accumulates it, exactly. It accumulates its own errors. Um, because that is important to show with this uncanny valley, these errors right. that surface. Let's take a short break. We'll come back. Um, maybe we'll hear more uncanny valley on the break. Great. Oh, I'm getting the nod from Stephanie. Thanks for engineering today, Stephanie. And we also, and hey to Tex, if you're listening out there, we miss you. Um, you're listening to Living Writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Today on the program, Oni Buchanan, John Woodward. We'll be right back. During lunch, they had breakfast. During breakfast, they got in a car wreck. It turned out, much later, that there were seven victims. They were okay then. Not a scratch on them. They were okay then. Not a scratch on them. They were okay then. Not a scratch on them. They were okay then. Not a scratch on them. They were okay then. Not a scratch on them. They began to complain of maladies. Wax sun, one said, and my heart only absorbs wax sun. One. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm glad you did today. Oni Buchanan is here. John Woodward. Um, you've just heard um, some of Uncanny Valley. Um, this this book is just out this year, John. Right, uh, uh, as of March, I believe. And it's at Cleveland State University Poetry Center. Um, so just yes, this book is out in the world, Uncanny Valley, and you can pick it up. And that way, you'll have some idea of what some of the the text of tomorrow's performance, um, Uncanny Valley, the same name, um, at the Pendle room in the Michigan Union, five o'clock. Um, and then there's also another chance to see John Woodward and Oni Buchanan at what one pause, the poetry, wonderful poetry, uh, 
just ball of energy that we have here in in Ann Arbor. One Pause Poetry, Friday at Metal, at 7 o'clock. And there'll be a panel on Saturday. Um, also, that's, that's more correct. around 10-ish, right? In the morning, is it, the panel? I think it's in the afternoon. I think okay. it's like 1-ish. Go to and One it's, Pause. It's also um, at Metal, yeah. Okay. And, it's, and it includes... Um, Tracy K. Smith and also Benjamin Paloff, friend of the show. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's told us that uh, it was going to be fun time, and so far, yes. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, hi to Benjamin. Out Hello, there. Benjamin. And he's reading with us on Friday as well, oh, um, which also happens to be his birthday. Happy early birthday! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. Well, um, and a quick shout out since we're sort of doing some shout outs now to Brett at Small Press Distribution, um, SPD, out on the West Coast for getting me your book super fast. Oh, nice, um, John. They this Small Press distribution these guys are um are amazing they are the best um so thank you to spd and remember to support your small press people out there in the world um okay uncanny valley so while i've got it in hand i'm gonna read the short bio on the back since we're halfway through the show right we might as well (laughs) kind of look at your bios guys right um john woodward's previous books are rain out with wave books 2006 and mr goodbye easter island alice james books 2003 he lives in boston and works at the harvard museum of comparative zoology all true seems like a great job it's very interesting (laughs) (laughs) and now we've also i've got um thanks to alice at mean allison means at the university of iowa press must of violence by oni buchanan and thanks to amanda sharp at the university of georgia press what animal um also by oni um so what animal and must of violence and i'll read oni's short bio from must of violence what a great title oni as well um thank you oni buchanan has published two previous books of poetry spring and what animal an actively performing concert pianist. She is the founder and director of Aerial Artists, a management company that represents classical and contemporary classical musicians. And we should give a shout out to Joey, who may be listening. Hello, Joey. Back at Aerial Artists. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, would you mind if, could we hear some poems now? That sounds like a great idea. Does that sound, okay. Absolutely. Who would would like to go first? (laughs) Yes. They're arm wrestling. Oh, okay. No, there's just pointing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe something from uh, from the book Uncanny Valley here. That was so a live performance. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a. I'll I'll do a separate, um, a smaller poem or two, or you can uh, you can tell me when to when to stop or when to continue. <laughs> All right. Um, so a small one. Um, This one is called Killing Flies, Skyscraper, Figurine. Not sky blue or powder blue or baby blue or robin's egg blue. The thought of killing flies starts to be written in you. In what blue are its mirrors and what girders write in its shadow down and reflected whose mirror reflects them? A tiny friend of me who looks like me or rolls back the rolling contours of the lens, or not lens the contours are wrapped around a lens of the contours wrapped around, write down all their deaths, slam the flesh of his hands together, a deified sound, a thunderbolt, to whom and under what blue, 
What light wrapped around the lens, the girders wrapped around a lens of the girders wrapped around a lens of the girders wrapped around? And this is how I should feel. No listen, no never listen, no pause and listen, and never, never listen. No these dots before my eyes and in my eyes should, should feel, should. Thank you, John. Sure, sure. <laughs> so when you're when you're um, when you're making this, how how important is it that you're are you working audibly? Like, are you when you're um, like your process maybe for this poem? I not I don't know if you can say for this particular poem, but like, or how how much are you working with sound aloud as you're composing or drafting? Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely try things out aloud. Um, I don't think they come to me that way if that's the right way to talk about it um yeah i think if i'm listening for what the next thing to write yeah that's how it happens i'm listening for the next thing to write down um and then and then trying it out out loud yeah i think that's right so it's within <laughs> the mind yeah yeah, it's hard to talk. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I'm lucky that I get to ask the questions, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for trying, you know, answering them, guys. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then, but then you're working with sound with some of the, the shaping or twists of it. Like yeah. That, like the should or the, um, the moment. starts and stops and and halts and uncertainties and things twisting back in on themselves and yeah, I I'm, I yeah I guess I like to surprise myself with that stuff. Um, or I don't know. I don't know where that stuff comes from. <laughs> because maybe it's... Well, yeah, because with the surprises, is it something has to... St it's... Because it has to stop. Maybe be... Is that at a moment you're inviting the next... Like the reader in because something's stop shifting? I don't, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, not that I, you're not always, you know, I hope inviting. That they, I hope that they're there. Yeah. yeah. But... um yeah, with something like that that's that's short and and switches all over the place. Mm. Um I definitely want the the reader to feel that the same way that that I do where every few words or every phrase or so there's some unexpected direction or it flips back in on itself or spins in three circles for no reason. Um It sounds like that's more authentic to actually experience too like how we even think. It's, yeah. it's not as if we're having these complete <laughs> moments as I drift off <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Excellent demonstration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find myself a lot of times, it could be just me, but I've heard this from poet friends of mine too, that um, uh, I have, you know, words or, or phrases or just unexplained little bits of language that'll get stuck in my head and go around and around and around. Mm. And um, and they're surfacing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's. Well, well, let's. Oni, would you thank you, John and Oni? Will you will you read for us too? Sure. Um, I was thinking I should read the the title poem because it's it's also, you know, concerned with repetition and accumulation and. Um, in a much different way than than John's work, um, but just to add another angle to the conversation. Um, so the title poem is Must of Violence. 
must a violence be administered? Must a violence be enacted upon? Must a violence be had to oneself? Must a violence be endured? Must an unanticipated violence? Must a violence beyond one's control? Must a modicum of violence? Must a dosage or capsule full of violence? Must an irregularly dispensed occasional vaccination of violence? Must a violence be inflicted upon? Must a violence first be undergone? Unless a machine is built, unless a machine can anticipate, unless a machine's precision, unless the exactitude of a machine can be employed, unless the clean functionality of a machine, unless the useful reliability of a machine, unless a machine's metallic composition, unless a machine's efficiency and preoccupation, unless the spinning cogs of a well-oiled machine, unless the gears and circuitry of a handsome machine, unless a machine whose constant vibrating hum, unless a machine in synchronization, unless a threshing machine be devised, unless a winnowing machine, unless a machine is invented by inventors, unless a machine can first predict, unless a machine can graph and then extrapolate. How many hits does it take? How many hits to disassemble? How many hits to scatter the ingredients in a useful circumference? How many hits to decontextualize? How many hits to see the material on its own terms? How many hits to purify the elements? How many hits to distill the proper essence? How many hits to extract the volatile components? How many hits not to ask what your country can do for you? How many hits to jar the assumptions just enough? How many hits to isolate the isotopes? How many hits to hammer at white heat? How many hits to break the bonds and reforge the remnant molecules? How many hits to loosen like a tooth that offers a newer tooth beneath? How many hits to solve a logic puzzle by ejection button? How many hits to tear the canvas and break the glass? How many hits to lay it all out? How many hits are just enough hits? How many hits are not one too many hits? How many hits are the perfect number of hits? How many hits are the exact duress of hits? How many hits to achieve a boiling point of matter? How many hits to execute with great precision? How many hits to reach a certain brink? What is the certainty of the brink? What is the indisputable defining characteristic of the brink? What is the je ne sais quoi of the brink? What is the el elusive, unplaceable perfume worn discreetly at the brink? What is the quality of air surrounding the brink? What is the punctured skin or surface area of the brink? What is the ragged groundwork, the contour of the brink? What is the fluctuating elevation of the brink? What is the mercurial temperature by day and by night of the brink? What what is the precise longitude and latitude of the brink? What are the geological constituents of the brink? What is the constitutional makeup of the brink? Is there a flag staked at the brink? Is there my country's flag staked at the brink? Is my family's crest staked at the brink? Is my clan's necessary plaid staked at the brink? Is there a base camp at the brink? Is there a campfire at the brink? Is there room for footwork at the brink? Is there a showcase at the brink? Is there a rationing of provisions at the brink? 
Are the comestibles divided fairly at the brink? Will the pork be salted at the brink? Is the brink made of salt? Is the brink made of ice? Is the brink made of stone? Is the brink made of red clay? Is the brink made of dust? Is the brink made of petrified wood? Is the brink made of flower stems? Is the brink made of animal pelts? Is the brink made of eggshells? Is the brink made of fruit rinds? Is the brink made of rats' nests? Is the brink made of calcite? Is the brink made of teeth? Is the brink made of feathers? Is the brink made of straw? Is the brink made of chaff? Thank you, Oni. Not shy about the the breath needed for a poem, <laughs> these two. <laughs> um, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back. Um, I'm so glad you guys are here. Oni Buchanan, John Woodward, you've got living writers. We'll be right back. Boys of their brains. Which were hardwired for the steering of cars. And from that day forward, he placed a big robot in the sky. To remind them of love. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm so glad you're catching the last last quarter of the show here with Oni Buchanan and John Woodward. Um, let's see. Let's talk about the books again. We've got John Woodward's Uncanny Valley, um, Oni Buchanan's What Animal, Must of Violence, and there's also Spring out there. We just don't have it on the table. Um, <laughs> and John, what about your other books? We've got um, Rain. Yes, and Rain from Wave Books a few years ago. Uh, and then uh, Mr. Goodbye, Easter Island from Alice James Books. Which is such a great title. Thank you. <laughs> Anything with Easter Island in it is irresistible. So. And instantly visual, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so you guys, it seems like with, with your work, you're really... It seems to me as a, a casual observer <laughs> now um, that you're you're interested in like playing with language and and seriously examining it. So not just play, but in so many different like s formats or scopes like this, the, the musical element that's already present in poems like lyrically, but then adding this music and soundscapes the visuals that you're working with and the, the new digital, like not new, <laughs> what am I, Amish? Yes, a little bit, a little bit. It's this new computerized <laughs> yes. di digitality that they have. Yeah. So surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. But so so it seems as if you're you're thinking of ways for your work to be alive in all these different ways. Yeah, I, I, I feel like... Um, they're all ways that language circulates anyway. I mean, language has found its way into all kinds of different mediums. We we send text messages, and we actually in the cab on the way here, we were just laughing because of uh, this horribly garbled um, me message that we got from uh, our uh, friend who was saying that 
he hated his phone so much, um, <laughs> but he could barely read it because the letters were all messed up. And the reason he hates his phone so That's much, exactly. apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, uh, but the uh, the, the uh, visual and the um, the kinetic stuff and uh, the the examinations of sound and everything, um, I feel like these are things that we experience um, through the internet or uh, just uh, through advertising or any number of different ways. And um, it, it's, it's just out there already. It's, it's uh, raw material. So um, yeah, it, it's, I think maybe more a question of just focusing a lens on stuff that we were seeing already. Um, and not making a poem something separate. Right. I think so. Does that sound like something you're, you'd want to co-sign on? I'll co-sign on that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Done. Oh, because yeah, maybe I should say you're collaborators, but you're also partners in life. That is true. That's true. So there is some co-signing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Easter Island, we went to Easter Island for our honeymoon. That is true. When we got married. So. Wow. That was a unique destination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you saw the stone yeah. faces men, we saw the, the moai, the statues. The, yeah, is that what they're actually called? They're called, Thank you. They're called moai. Moai. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I will know that for life. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All facing inward from the sea, with their backs to the ocean, on this tiny, tiny island with uh, three volcanoes at its at its corners. The island is sh- shaped like a triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There must be some. S- strange collaborative energy happening there with them all directed inward. all facing inward yeah yeah, yeah. and so so to, let's let's say this is a good time to mention again that people can come and hear the premiere performance of uncanny valley tomorrow at the pendleton room michigan union five o'clock and then friday one pause poetry will host another event with you reading your poems your work with benjamin payloff um at metal at seven o'clock and on saturday a panel and tracy k smith pulitzer prize winning tracy k smith is also coming to town which is great (laughs) um it's very exciting it's so great that you guys have come here why did you choose ann arbor for the premiere (laughs) i'm so glad you did go blue (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, it just it just happened that way. I mean, Ann Arbor. Well, I think it was it was Sarah Messer who who contacted us first and of um, one pause poetry exactly and friend of the show. Yeah, and she, and she was and she is so enthusiastic and she has so much life and energy and she was just really interested in the project and so she was the first person who dared to sign on, you know and and so we were like, all right, you get the world premiere, you know. Um, and that's how it is. And now we're, pl- you know, we're going to be performing Uncanny Valley across the, the whole country for this season, this entire season and next season, because so many people are interested in it. But she was the first one who who took the plunge. And so she she, she won us or she won the world premiere for Ann Arbor. Ah, really. It's so exciting. And I feel like Living Writers has won something, too. Right, Stephanie? Because you guys are playing it here and we're talking about it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, maybe this. Well, is- Megan. I mean, it, it was Sarah who first invited us, but she got Megan on board right away. Yes. And so, I mean, and hello we're- to Megan out there. 
Yeah, we're Sorry, playing. I called it's, you earlier. It, it, worried. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the premiere is on Megan's Megan series here at yes. the university. Um, the Zell visiting writers, exactly the Zell visiting writers series, and and Megan went out of her way to you know find. I mean, it's not a small tech list that comes along with this program. So I'm, sure, you know, plus the grand piano. So um, so Megan has been really working hard to to make it possible for us to to perform here, and uh, we're really happy and grateful. So uh, both of them have been quite a team in getting and getting this to happen. Yeah, it's we've been great. Been feeling really lucky. Yeah, yeah. And then it just so happens that John Gibson teaches at um, the Indiana University School of Music. So I should mention that he's driving up um, for the world premiere and he will be here uh, for the premiere tomorrow. Um, and and we will have a Q&A from the stage after the concert um, with me, John Woodward and John Gibson, all three of us on stage um, talking about about the piece and the audience's experience. So, oh, how exciting. So this is really going to be really something to should, remember should this be good lovely yeah and how so how long will the how long is uncanny valley <laughs> <laughs> very, how long people, are we very politely people phrased very politely phrased <laughs> um well because what i'm thinking is if people get out of work late can they still make it for some of it that's, sure of that's course. definitely of course. no it's a it's a concert length work um if John took no repeats at all, it would probably be, you know, only 40 minutes or 45 minutes long. But we're going to make it a, a concert length work. So it should be at least 60 minutes um, long with the repetitions. And of course, it's it's left a chance depending on, on how crazy uh, John is going to get on stage and how many repeats he's going to get get us all into. Um, but it'll be a concert length work. Hour, hour-ish. I can see that glint in your <laughs> eye, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And so this is tomorrow. So, so folks, five o'clock, Michigan Union, Pendleton Room, Grand Piano, Electronic Sounds, John's Voice, Uncanny Valley. Do it. This is going to be something. It really <laughs> is. Um, so how, and this is not your first time doing a per performance, because you had machines that you also made into a performance performative was it the yeah. scale or what was or you want to go ahead do you mean the scale of the machines themselves oh the machine i think or, machines project that we did with oh the, sc with the scale of the Ganson. project itself yeah um well we, we've been very interested in doing a lot of um large-scale collaborative projects and yeah that one was um with three of the artists on my roster, the aerial artist roster, including myself, but also including um, amazing guitar duo, duo Orfeo. And they actually did a world premiere at that concert of um, electronic, or sorry, electric guitar arrangement of, of Arvo Pert um, piece music that they, that they did themselves. Um, but also there's this amazing trombone quartet on our roster called the Guidonian hand. And they performed as well. And so, but all of us were playing contemporary music and we, we literally matched the music to the machines of Arthur Ganson. Um, and I don't know if you've ever looked at his machines, but they're, they're amazing. Um, John, how, what, what are some adjectives? He's a kinetic sculptor who, uh, his, his machines are on permanent display at the MIT museum in Boston. Um, and they're, they're at the same time, uh, whimsical and fun and totally profound and devastating. They're, <laughs> exactly, they're just great. It. I mean, they'll just break your heart, but they're, his stuff is just amazing. Yeah. And he did, and he did a series of films of his sculptures that, that, um, kind of, uh, unveiled them 
from the bottom up or from the inside out, you know, like starting with a focus on a certain, you know, set of gears that are just chugging away. And then, you know, the he'll, he directed the film in a way that was, was uh, super profound and amazing. And then to match that with, with the music and all kind of correspondences started coming out of the mix. And it yeah. was just, I mean, we couldn't anticipate it ourselves, which again is part of the fun of it. Yes. You just don't know what's going to happen. What will happen start, to, and tomorrow. Yeah, uh-huh. you start combining ingredients and throwing chemicals together. You know, what, where are the explosions going to happen? And you just, that's that's the fun of it and getting all all these artists on the same state, on the stage at the same time and interacting. And uh, uh, and where, where are a couple of other places? So we've got tomorrow at five o'clock at the Michigan Union here for uncanny valley where else will you be going in the next like a a couple of places through Um, 2013 well this week we i mean this week and next week we have a michigan tour so uh, we're starting here and then we're going to hope college and then we're going to saginaw valley um but we've got we've got concerts at um harvard um, sinmat which is center for new music and audio technology out at uc berkeley um smith college wheaton it just you know near and, chicago and these would be on both your websites exactly. too so if people yeah. google oni buchanan john woodward they can find out where you could be possibly coming into 2013 even yep. beyond Definitely. this michigan yep. tour it's all posted it's been so great to talk with you guys it has been it's, it's been so, really fun to talk with yeah you. thank you thank, thank you so much for bringing us to the show yeah we had a great time so. yeah thank you for being in here and break a leg tomorrow <laughs> thank um, you you've been listening to living writers today oni Bu- Cannon, John Woodward, Uncanny Valley, What Animal, Must of Violence, tomorrow, Uncanny Valley at Michigan Union, 5 o'clock, Pendleton Room, and also on Friday and Saturday, One Pause Poetry. Check out their website, um, 7 o'clock on Friday evening. Um, thanks again, you guys. And thanks for thanks to Stephanie for engineering. Thanks to all you out there for listening. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, September 26, 2012. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, a new investigation into U.S. drone attacks in Pakistan documents effects on civilians and local residents and raises questions about the legality of the program. In Tampa, residents urged the city council to dismantle dozens of security cameras installed for the Republican National Convention. And we'll go to Kashmir to hear from hip-hop artists who are using music as a form of political expression in a conflict zone. Those stories and more coming up after this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. More than a dozen people have died and hundreds of thousands have been displaced by floods in India's northeastern state of Assam. FSRN's Bismillah Gilani reports. The government says rescue and rehabilitation efforts are in full swing, with the Army and the Air Force joining the Federal Disaster Agency on the ground. But some areas still remain inaccessible. 